Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to Bible Truth for Living. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds, your host. It's a joy to be with you today, whether you're listening to the radio program or on the Bible Truth podcast. We sure do appreciate you taking the time to listen. Before I get into today's message, I would like to make a couple of announcements. This is Sunday, January the 29th, 2023, and a couple of things I want to bring to your attention. First of all, we invite you to our afternoon service at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple at 3 o'clock today. Uh, you know, most of us have Sunday morning service. Our service in Mount Vernon on Sunday mornings is at 10 o'clock, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, and then 1115 at Waltonville Community Church. And then we come back together for a three o'clock afternoon service. Makes it convenient for those that do not like to drive uh, at night. And I'm teaching a series on happiness. And uh, so we invite you to one or all of our services. Again, 10 o'clock at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple at 817 Woodland Drive here in Mount Vernon and 11.15 a.m. at Waltonville Community Church just across from the Waltonville Cafe and then 3 o'clock uh, this afternoon uh, back at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. And then this coming Saturday is our uh, is the first Saturday of the month, which means it's time for our monthly Man Alive prayer breakfast. We have a, a great group of men that come out uh, on the first Saturday of every month. We meet at 8 o'clock at our uh, Mount Vernon Christian uh, school cafeteria and fellowship room. We serve a free hot breakfast, great time of fellowship, and have a guest speaker. Uh, this month, we're honored to have Mount Vernon Mayor John Lewis as our guest speaker. So come out and hear uh, what the mayor has to share with us. And that's this Saturday, February the 4th at 8 o'clock at uh, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple on 817 Woodland Drive here in Mount Vernon. All right, we're going to get into our message today. I've titled this Keeping Rhythm at Church. This will actually be a two-part uh, message as we close out the series that we have titled Cadence. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 25, and then get into the teaching. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, am I, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness." For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor 
to that part which lacked. The theme of this month's uh, sermon series has been cadence, that is, keeping rhythm in various areas of our lives. We began by looking at keeping rhythm with God. I think everything starts there. We must keep in rhythm with God as His will uh, determines our life, and we sometimes have to trust Him when He changes the rhythm. And then we talked about keeping rhythm at home, which involves the roles and responsibilities we have as Uh, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers and children. And then we uh, looked at keeping rhythm at work, how as Christian employees and employers, we are to uh, behave and interact at the workplace. And then today and next week, we're going to conclude with keeping rhythm at church. Now we need to define a couple of things here as we get into this message. First of all, the word church. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, and it means a called out assembly. You need to know that the church is not a building. Sometimes we'll say, well, I'll meet you at the church, and we're thinking of the structure. But the church is not a building. You can gather as a body of believers uh, out in an open field, all right, or in a tent. So the building itself is not necessarily the church. The church is also not an organization. As we say, go to church, all right? You don't go to church like you go to your club meeting or something like that. It's not an organization. What is so unique about the church is that it is an organism. That means that it is something that is living and growing and constantly being added to. We can also define the church in these two ways. Number one, you have what we call the corporate church. What is the corporate church? That is the church made up of all New Testament believers from the cross until the rapture occurs. All right. So we're talking here over a span of of over 2000 years. Uh, That is not a denomination, all right? It's made up of every person who has placed his or her faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. They are part of what we call the corporate church or the body of Christ. I'll get into that in just a moment. And then the second way we can think of the church is the community church, that is the local church. That is a also a body of people, mainly believers, uh, but also there are some unbelievers as well. Now, there are no unbelievers in the corporate church. It's made up of all believers. But the community church has both believers and non-believers, and they are literal churches. For instance, the letter that I'm reading today, Paul had wrote had, had written rather to the church at Corinth. That was a literal community church. It was in the community of Corinth. You have the same thing in Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians. Those were all literal churches, much like we have literal churches today, Mount Vernon Baptist. Baptist Temple, Waltonville Community Church, those are local churches. So we need to make a distinction there, and we're going to do that more in depth in a moment, between the corporate church made up of all believers since the cross until the rapture. By the way, when the rapture occurs, that ends the church age, all right? And that's another message for another time. But you have the corporate church, and then you have the community church made up of every local uh, New Testament church. Now, In the text that I read to you, the Apostle Paul is comparing and contrasting uh, the church with a physical body. You'll notice he mentions things like feet and hands and eyes and ears. So to keep it simple, let's think of it like this. The corporate church is the body of Christ made up of all believers. The community church is a body of people made up of both believers and unbelievers. Now today, we're going to look at the formation and the function of this body we call the church, 
And then we'll wrap up the series next week looking at the fellowship of the body. Let's look right now at the formation of the body, and in particular, the corporate church. What is it that that forms? How is it formed, this corporate church, and what are its characteristics? Well, the first thing that we see in verse 12 is that the corporate church is united. Listen to verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is, is Christ. So you'll notice there that word one is mentioned three times just in one verse, and you see it several times throughout the text that we're looking at today. Now think of it this way. A physical body is one body with many members. If you remember uh, studying science back when you were in school, uh, remember the skeleton has 206 bones, and then you have all those bones that are connected with tissue and tendons and muscle and nerves that protect uh, things, and you have dozens of organs like the heart and the brain and the kidneys and the liver and the lungs, and then you have the skin, the epidermis that covers all of that with hair and nails. So you have all these different uh, members, but they still make up one body. Now, what Paul is telling us here is that the spiritual body of Christ is also one body made of many members. Now, I told you the corporate church is made up of believers from the cross until the rapture. So we're talking here about going back over 2,000 years, all of the apostles, those 3,000 who were saved on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Uh, You have believers like the Ethiopian eunuch, the Philippian jailer that were mentioned in the New Testament, and then those who continue to be saved today all around the world. They are united by one thing. We're one body in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are united. And then the body of Christ is not only united, but it is unique. Listen to verse 13. For by one spirit, and in the Bible, the word spirit there is capitalized. So that is referring to the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity or Godhead, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. For by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, are we all as believers baptized into one body, the body of Christ. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, notice here is the Holy Spirit that does this, not a preacher. So we're not talking about water baptism, all right? Water baptism does not save you. Water baptism is the identification. It is your public testimony that you are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Salvation is by faith in Christ alone. It's by his grace, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. So here's what happens. When you get saved, whenever that was, I was saved as a young child, I was at that very moment baptized, spiritually speaking, into the body of Christ. That was a spiritual baptism. And what happened is the Holy Spirit came in and indwelt me and has been with me ever since. All right. That's being baptized into the body of Christ. Now, if you're not a believer, that doesn't make any sense. But if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit of God in a spiritual baptism places you and I into the body of Christ. Now, all of us are united in the fact that we are human beings. You know, we have different, uh, we, we have similar characteristics. We have, uh, eyes and ears and arms and legs. Those are things that unite us. We're, we're, we're all alike. But at the same time, we are all unique. You know, we all have different heights and weights and age and, and gender and hair. These are all things 
that are different. Our DNA is different. So the spiritual body of Christ is the same way. It is united in the fact that we are all uh, we are all one body from the cross to the rapture, but also unique because this body of Christ is made up of Jews and Gentiles and rich and poor and male and female. Uh, they're all baptized into the corporate church or the body of Christ. Now, Peter says this. He says we're not just unique, but we're peculiar. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, unique, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Listen to verse 10 which in time past were not a people. Nothing connected us before we were saved. But now that we are saved, we're in the body of Christ. You're now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That word obtained is important because it means it's not earned. It's not deserved. We just receive that. All right. Salvation is a free gift. So I guess what I want you to see here is the formation of the body of Christ or the formation of the corporate church happens at the moment of salvation. It is something that unites all believers together into one body, and yet we are unique in that it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, male, female, uh, we are peculiar, we're peculiar to the world, and we are all united in the fact that we are part of the body of Christ. That's the formation of the body. Now, let's look at the function of the body, and now we're going to shift gears from the corporate church to the community church, or you might say the local church. Now, the moment you get saved, I told you just a moment ago, ago that you receive salvation by grace, all right? And that is what places you and I into the corporate church. But there's one other thing that you get as well when you get saved, and that is a spiritual gift. The Bible teaches that all believers have at least one spiritual gift. Now, what are those spiritual gifts for? They're not, to, they're not for our own attention or our, our own glory, but the spiritual gifts are then to use in the community church. So let me say that again. Salvation by grace places you in the corporate church, the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts then are to be used in the community church or in your local church. Now, one function of these spiritual gifts, then, is to keep the community church working in rhythm. That's what we've been talking about. That's been our theme, keeping in rhythm, all right? So if we're not using our spiritual gifts or using them inappropriately, the church will not be in rhythm. For example, this church in Corinth that Paul is writing to, they had a lot of spiritual gifts, but they were not in rhythm, all right? Uh, many thought that their gift was better than someone else's. There was a lot of discontentment and disharmony. So they had spiritual gifts, but they certainly were not in rhythm. If you and I have spiritual gifts that we know are given to us at salvation, we are to use them to keep the rhythm in the church. Now, let me explain that to you more in detail. We're going to look at three things here. Number one, I want us to see the diversity of spiritual gifts. Let's look at, let's go back to our text there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verses 4 through 6. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, Holy Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Now, here's what Paul is wanting the, the Christians at Corinth to understand. 
there, not everyone has the same gift. There are diversities of gifts. We all have the same spirit that saved us, but we do not all have the same spiritual gifts, all right? There are different administrations and operations. I'm going to explain that in a moment. But you say, what are the spiritual gifts? Well, there are several of them, and I'm not going to cover all of them individually, but I'm going to give you a few of them in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. All right, and, and again, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome, and he says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So don't get too high on yourself, Paul says. All right, If you have a certain spiritual gift, don't look at yourself as better than anyone. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So he reiterates what we looked at in 1 Corinthians 12. Now now listen to some of these gifts. Verse 6, having then gifts differing, and that's what we're talking about, different or diversities of gifts, according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. The word prophecy actually has two meanings, all right? Uh, it can mean foretelling, all right? That is telling the future. Now, I do not believe that that is in action today. We have the word of God to help us try to discern what is coming, things such as the rapture and the tribulation period and, and those sort of things. But that is something that was given to those who append the word of God for us to study and to learn but I don't think there's any new prophecy. The Bible, in fact, tells us that. There's no new prophecy being given. But prophesy not only means uh, foretelling, but it also means telling forth. So really what I'm doing this morning is I'm prophesying and that I am telling forth of the Word of God. That's the gift being spoken of here in, in uh, Romans chapter 12. And then he mentions ministry or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering. That is uh, serving other people. There are some that just have a spiritual gift to be a blessing to others and minister, or he that teacheth on teaching, those who have the gift of teaching the word of God, whether that is to children or teenagers or adults, uh, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, that is the gift of encouragement. There are folks that just know when you need some encouragement, whether it's by a letter or a, a text or something like that, that's a gift. Or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. There is also a spiritual gift of giving. People that just have the gift of giving to whether it's missions or a, a building project or uh, you know to someone, that's a spiritual gift. He that ruleth with diligence, that's the gift of leadership, leading others, being a leader in the local church. And then he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. That's another gift, one that shows mercy to those who are maybe struggling or what we would say down and out. So you have these different gifts. Now, every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Uh, yours may be teaching or it may be encouragement, maybe giving, maybe helping, maybe leading. And again, Paul says there are different administrations. You know, you think of the gift of teaching. Uh, so let's say you have the gift of teaching but you don't like teaching teenagers. Not everyone is, is equipped for that, all right? You say, I'd rather teach five-year-olds. Well, it's still a gift. It's just administered differently, a different age group, something you're, you're more comfortable with. And gifts of, of operations means that uh, whatever we do uh, in, in operation, let God be the one who blesses and don't worry about the rest, okay? For example, I'm a preacher, and so is Dr. David Jeremiah. Now, he's much more well-known, has a lot larger ministry, but I'm not to imitate David Jeremiah. 
God has blessed him. And so whatever God blesses his ministry with is fine. I need to be happy and content and do what I can with the ministry God has given me. So that's the operations there. Now you say, Pastor Tim, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. And a lot of people don't. I want to tell you how to discover it. Number one, ask God to show you. Have you ever prayed and said, God, show me my spiritual gift. Let me know what it is. The other way is that you need to just start serving. You know, you'll never discover it sitting on the sidelines. If you just show up to church, sit in the pew and go home, uh, you'll not discover your spiritual gift. You have to get involved to discover your spiritual gift. All right. That's the diversity of gifts. Now we're going to look at the distribution of spiritual gifts back in our text of first Corinthians 12 verses 14 through 18. Paul mentions the body is not one member, but many, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear say, I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, one big eyeball, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, one big ear, where were the smelling? All right, so it wouldn't work out real good. Verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. The distribution, notice there in verse 18, it is God who places or sets people in the local church than to exercise and use their spiritual gifts. Listen, your local church needs you. Your pastor needs you. We need leaders. We need encouragers. We need givers. We need people to show mercy. We need people who minister and serve and help. These are all things to help the local church. And that's also mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, uh, Paul mentions this in Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he gave some, and I believe that's referring to churches, some churches, local churches, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to make everyone perfect because the preacher's not perfect. It's talking about being mature in your walk with the Lord, all right? You're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. For the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry. You know, you can't have a bus ministry if you don't have people who will uh, who will visit and drive the bus and pick the kids up. You can't have a music ministry if you don't have people who will play instruments and sing and those sorts of things. So it's a lot of work and for the edifying or building up, encouraging of the body of Christ. So that is the distribution of gifts. And listen, it doesn't matter if your, your gift may be to uh, to go in and, and uh, anonymously clean the building. All right. That, that's a gift. I want to, I want to help out here. I want to make the church building look better. Use that. That, that. It's just so many things that can be used within the, the community church, the local church. Let me give you this last one. And I'm going to wrap up the message, the disposition of spiritual gifts. Verses 19 through 24 that we read just a moment ago. And if uh, they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lack. Now, let me put all this into modern day uh, vernacular. What Paul is saying here is sometimes we think, you know, those things that are not very important of the body, they're not very beautiful, they certainly wouldn't be too important, and yet they are important. Uh, Take, for instance, your hands. Most people see your hands, but people very rarely see your feet. Feet are not really very pretty, all right? We put shoes and socks on, but boy, you thank God for your feet. 
and then also he mentions this thing about comely parts and uncomely parts. He's talking about what's necessary and what isn't. Uh, for example, uh, you uh, use your legs, you know, and maybe you exercise and you walk, and that's really good. But you you can actually live without legs. Uh, give you an example: Evangelist Tim Lee. All right, it lost his legs in the Vietnam War. But you need your lungs. You can't do without your lungs. So lungs are more important than legs. Now, we don't really look at the lungs. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about the lungs, but they're very important. Here's another one, your hair. How much time do you spend on your hair? You know, we stand in front of a mirror and comb our hair, fix our hair, and that's a wonderful thing. But you can live without hair. Can't live without your heart. You need your heart. The heart is more important than the hair. So the comely parts, the hair on the body is not very important, although it's what you see and spend time on, but the heart is really necessary. The connection he's wanting to make here is sometimes we look at things from the outside and think, boy, that person is important or that gift is important. But God knows who and what is really important to the functioning of the church. Many times, you know, it's the preacher who's the headliner. You're, you know, you're up on the stage, you're behind the pulpit. But the blessing may come from someone who is very quietly, maybe a, a, an elderly lady who is at home praying for the preacher and praying for the, the uh, spirit to move in the service and for there to be power in the preaching. And so just remember that. And also notice that he says that God has tempered it together. It means he's blended it together. There's a blending together of spiritual gifts. You know, if everyone had the same gift, you couldn't get anything done. You have to have all these different gifts that God sets in place and then blends together in order for the work of the Lord and the ministry to be accomplished. I'll wrap up with this example. This past week, uh, we had to replace a washer and dryer. And, uh, you know, that's very important when you have kids. But there are other appliances that are important as well. You know, the refrigerator is important, the stove, the furnace, the, the dishwasher. Each of them are uniquely important. Uh, usually the most important one is the one not working at the time, all right? That's the one you want to get fixed. But there's something even more important than the appliances themselves, and that is the power source to those things. If the power goes out, I don't care if you have a brand new refrigerator, it's not going to do you any good, all right? The power source. Well, same thing with spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is our power source. He is the one that gives us the spiritual gifts and gives us the ability then to use them for his glory. That's where the power comes from. What are you doing with your spiritual gift? Do you know what it is? Are you using it for the furtherance of the ministry? And are you using it to help keep rhythm in the church? Now, next week, we're going to wrap this up looking at the fellowship of the community church. And I hope you can tune in then. Thank you so much for listening. It's always a joy to be with you. And I look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.